Hey, Connor, what do you know about this manosphere? The manosphere? Like, on the internet? Yeah. Well, if sexism, misogyny, incels and all of these people existed in an echo chamber on the internet, the manosphere is what it would be called. You're not tied up in that, are you? Nah, nah, of course not. Like I said, it's an echo chamber. If you start looking for that stuff, you'll find it, and then you'll find nothing but that. That sounds awful. Well, yeah, it's it's the internet. It's where ideas go to rot. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like I might have to do a podcast about it. There was a marked and and sinister shift in the last couple of years where suddenly I was experiencing a huge amount of resistance, of pushback, a very angry um, backlash from teenage boys, and they were coming pre-prepared. So they were arriving at talks believing that you were a hate-fueled feminazi who wanted to destroy men. That's just this misogynistic belief system that's really rose to prominence in the last 10 or so years. I'm Alexia Russell, and on the detail today, the murky world of the manosphere. It's more than just, as my son Connor told me, an echo chamber on the internet. It's a growing world sucking up more and more vulnerable young men with its own set of awful role models and tragic real-life consequences. Just a warning, the following includes some descriptions and discussion of gender-based violence, including sexual violence. If you haven't heard of Andrew Tate yet, it's only a matter of time before he pops up on your newsfeed. His videos have been viewed over 11 billion times, and in July he was more Googled than Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump. He's been called the king of toxic masculinity. He has said that rape victims should, quote, bear responsibility for being raped. Six of its students dead. The University of California Santa Barbara community is in mourning. The gunman who methodically planned the attack chronicled his descent into a deranged rage. 22-year-old Elliot Roger, the son of Hollywood privilege, but sexually frustrated. A virgin vowing revenge in a twisted video he posted Friday addressed at his perceived enemies. Young women, he says, rejected him. Criminology PhD student Angus Lindsay from Victoria University did his thesis on the manosphere subculture of involuntary celibates, or incels. He has a more technical description of that universe than my internet-savvy son. So the manosphere um, is a term for the digital social networks that have, I guess, come to encompass the more, I guess, powerful expressions of of anti-feminism in society today. They are made up of an array of interconnected communities that include uh, men's rights activists, uh, involuntary celibates or incels, uh, men going their own way or MGTOW, uh, pickup artists and an amalgam of uh, male supremacist influences uh, such as Andrew Tate who I guess uh, sell an extreme form of masculinity to, to young audiences. Yeah, this is the Andrew Tate who's been arrested in Romania for sex trafficking. Correct, yes. Andrew Tate! Andrew Tate is an Anglo-American kickboxer turned influencer whose extreme misogynist videos have helped make him the most viral man in the world. Bang out the machete, boom in her face, and grip her up by the neck. Sounds like a lovely piece of work. What what, what (laughs) is the appeal for him, for boys? So I think that these figures can be 
particularly p- compelling to young men. They provide and pr- promote and represent themselves as these socially, economically and sexually successful uh, male role models. They are united by a kind of, I guess, a hatred towards women and particularly uh, towards feminism and the kind of promotion that uh, of hypermasculinity and this kind of perception that men are losing power or status in modern society. So I, I see it as a bit of a, a pushback against uh, that. Wow. Why now? I mean, has this been exacerbated by the connection that they get over social media? Yeah. So, I mean, these sentiments and these uh, these ideas have, have of course, uh, been floating around in society um, and, you know, arguably upholding our society uh, as a patriarchal society uh, for forever. But I think there's this idea that men are afraid. They're, they're, they're afraid of these shifting gender relations and the sort of changing familial and domestic patterns and, and are leading these young men into a kind of state of fear and anger that they're losing status and power and privilege. It's this kind of zero-sum thinking where, you know, any advances in, in women's rights and equality um, mean that men are going to inevitably lose out. These influences and these manosphere groups kind of present themselves and and young men as as victims of this kind of what they would call a global assault on masculinity. You know, the sort of the Tate and Jordan Petersons of the world uh, kind of provide men with these solutions and strategies to kind of reclaim the so-called like lost masculinity that they claim um to 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 have access to and and reassert their kind of masculine authority over others to kind of reassert this domination um over women because of the fear of um their kind of losing status and power in in, in society hmm. what is the door to this how do kids get into this how is this feeling of fed hmm well, I think you know, coming coming back to that kind of social media point is from the kind of shifts towards this normalised, um, hyper-connected society that we have. We have the TikToks, we have Instagram, we have you know these algorithmic feeds sending us all of this this toxic crap. <laughs> to, to to put it bluntly, that you know that 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 is kind of predicated on on hyper engaging and viral dynamics you know like Andrew Tate and others that he's he's not the only one there's been a bunch of others before him and there'll be more afterwards that they kind of promote this sort of jet set lifestyle of fast cars private jets expensive cigars and you know always being surrounded by attractive women and you know it's kind of appealing it's it's appealing to these young men who kind of who want that and further to that he says you know inflammatory stuff he says things such as you know um this is andrew tate you're talking this about is that. andrew tate that that women can't drive and that they're they're lazy and stupid and that modern men are, are weak due to feminism and expressing emotions is weak and unmanly and and all of these things so these uh and, and he does this on purpose mm. he does this so we talk about him and when we talk about them, young people go and seek that content out if they haven't already 
uh, been exposed to it via TikTok or Instagram or, or, or whatever. And are New Zealand kids swallowing this too? Yeah, well, I think um, there's, as far as I'm aware, there's no research that would suggest that they are. But um, the reality on the ground, talking to you know consent educators and, and people in that field, teachers and such, that these ideas, uh, specifically around Andrew Tate, um, the, the ones that Andrew Tate uh, you know exposes, they are prevalent. They're here. They're, they're, uh, they're, these young kids are, are being extremely misogynistic and sexist towards their teachers and their peers. They think it's funny uh, that there's a whole kind of almost like an inside joke type situation there where, you know, I've talked to young teachers who uh, their kids have put Andrew Tate memes and, and things like, and jokes and inside jokes on their, like, you know, slideshow presentations to make all the other boys in the class laugh. You know, it, it's just it's just pervasive. What do you What do you do about it? Well, yeah, there's a few things. Like, I mean, I guess first and foremost, I think we need to kind of take seriously the, the appeal uh, of the manosphere and of Tate and, and, and these, these kind of influences to these kind of lost, disenfranchised young men and the kind of central role that influences play in, you know, uh, this process. And, and then we should be critical of it. We should be... We should be calling it out. We should be trying to understand it. Um, but we, we should also understand that for many of these kids, it does provide a community, a place of belonging, some direction, some certainty, some solutions, even if those solutions are deeply problematic. Well, solutions for what? You know, a problem that doesn't exist. Yeah, well, I guess for, for young men, you know, the Manosphere is offering explanations for these these issues that young men do feel or maybe they do face. You know, young men are falling behind in education and engagement and success um, despite being hyper-connected online. We're all incredibly lonely, but young men in particular are, you know, leading to mental health and suicide issues. And obviously, uh, as we know, young men and boys are less likely to seek help uh, for those types of issues. So I think it kind of fills this gap. This, it develops communities um, that inevitably figures like Tate and Peterson will profit off, right? They're, they're profiting off this anxiety and this insecurity uh, for these young men who are seeking connection and community and, and guidance, maybe role model, you know, a lack of role models, right? Hmm. Is it time then the New Zealand starts taking this seriously instead of sort of saying, well, you know, you've had your time, it's time for women to shine kind of thing? Is it time to really have a look at how men are being educated and where they're getting their ideas from? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, the, I think that's where the kind of ideas of, you know, consent education comes in, right? You know, there was this really good program called Mates and Dates that was floating around um, I think it was uh, administered by ACC. It might be in a different area now. But, um, you know, I think for me it's concerning that there isn't a mandatory national curriculum for consent education. There is a group, though, involved in consent education called Respect Ed Aotearoa. It used to run the Mates and Dates program, which is now being ditched in a major rethink of what's happening in the sexual harm field. Board member Kyla Rayner, who's also the general manager for Wellington Rape Crisis, says Respected works in primary prevention, trying to get in there before the harm has happened. 
So ultimately, we're sort of supporting people to disrupt harmful social norms and dysfunctional attitudes and behaviours that we know perpetuate violence. So schools will be a great place for you to be in, right? Absolutely, yep. And are you? Yeah, we've been delivering um, in schools. We've been in existence for over 10 years now and have delivered in schools over that period of time, more formally um, in the last six years through the Mates and Dates program funded by ACC. Oh, tell me about Mates and Dates. So Mates and Dates has actually ended. Um, So we are no longer delivering Mates and Dates in the country, but it was a school-based program where we um, went into schools And we worked with different year groups, um, and that was different across different schools in terms of which year groups they signed up to. Um, But we delivered that program in classrooms over perhaps six modules. So we were there um, consistently through that period of time having these conversations with schools and and pupils in their classrooms. And when your people went into schools and talked to kids about this, what did you, you know, has there been a change in atmosphere and attitude? What did you find Um, I think that when we've been working in schools, children are still um, living in, you know, our inherited traditional and cultural baggage of gender inequality, which has created some of these really unhelpful and harmful social norms that impact um, young people when they're thinking about relationships, friend groups or romantic, um, and also dating. So a lot of these ideas have been around for a very long time, but certainly as we find more children are living online and living in digital spaces, um, they're receiving a whole heap of mixed messaging around what it is to be um, a person growing up within their gender and what that means when they're heading into romantic relationships and um, and within their own peer groups. What do you mean by gendered inequality? I mean, surely we are past the, you know, the traditional stereotypes of what boys do and what girls do. Um, I think that we see that kids are still grappling with this kind of stuff and that um, although we've seen a lot of change maybe over the past 30 years, that people are still living in those really entrenched views of what it is to be a man or a woman in this world or um, and what those roles mean in terms of who we are when we turn up to relationships and what roles different people should perform. So while there, we've seen some shift over time in this area, we're still talking to young people who feel um, curious but also confused about what it is to be a young person and they're just emerging in their own personhood trying to um, make these decisions and choices around uh, what the right thing is to do. So we've been talking about the manosphere and I guess, you know, when you talk about kids living online and doubled up with this sort of confusion, as you say, this is this is the wedge, isn't it, where boys can sort of go down this rabbit hole. Are you finding that it's becoming worse recently? Well, I think what what we're seeing is that young people are doing the same thing that young people have always done, which is they're looking for belonging, connection. They're looking for guidance around these kind of new areas in their life that are emerging around romance and dating, and that the online space is a really accessible place for them to go out and find that community. Unfortunately, we don't have control around what children are exposed to or young people are exposed to when they're going online. So, um, you know, we're battling against things like algorithms, but also just that that search that young people experience when they're looking for connection and guidance. And the Manosphere is a place that has perhaps the most extreme ideologies that drive, that are the drivers behind this gendered violence. And they're hooking into um, young people's insecurities and their curiosity um, by providing some role models that we know are um, influencing in ways that are still upholding those really harmful views. So you talk about the Andrew Tates of this world? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we know that even when Andrew Tate goes offline, you know, new people will come up with the same old messaging um, in new ways and on different platforms. He was eventually banned from Twitter, but this didn't stop him. He was allowed back on the app in November 2022. Tate was also banned from Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and TikTok, but his content is still being shared. The hashtag Andrew Tate on TikTok has been viewed billions of times, with many worrying about his influence over young people online. OK, so we, are, we cannot stop these kids accessing the, the manosphere, if you like. How do we... How do we approach the sort of their education so that when they encounter it, they don't fall for it? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's difficult because sexual violence is such a um, a taboo subject, and that's because sex is also a really taboo subject. So young people are always going to be seeking ideas and understanding around these topics, around sex in particular. It's a really complex social issue that we know is still really minimised and hard to talk about. So while there's some danger and some harm in some of the messaging that's happening in online spaces, we also know that online spaces are a really good opportunity for us to raise awareness to counter those messages and disrupt those um, messages and attitudes. So we need to have an online presence that provides a counter to this messaging, but we also need to turn our energy um, into doing this work in person with young people. And what we're seeking to do is really kind of build their awareness Um, build their kind of critical analysis around this topic, build their emotional intelligence and their resilience, and also have some discussion around what it is to be an ethical bystander and how they might intervene, because we know that that um, peer group culture is also really strong. Four years ago, Gillette produced an ad addressing toxic masculinity. Bullying. The Me Too movement against sexual harassment. Toxic masculinity. Is this the best a man can get? There was a furious reaction, including from the world's most popular podcaster, Joe Rogan, and British broadcaster, Piers Morgan. It's like an anti-masculine Gillette commercial. It makes like every man look like a misogynist piece of shit. It's, it's such a disturbing commercial. It's like over and over again, men doing douchey shit. Like, hey, bro, aren't you selling razors? Yeah. <laughs> I have a problem, a real problem, with what I believe to be this, this new kind of war on masculinity. But Angus Lindsay says this issue is something we do need to be looking at. You know, because we need to acknowledge that this problem of sexual violence and violence against women in general is uh, unequivocally driven by misogynistic and patriarchal attitudes like the ones that are expressed by Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson and, and such. So we need to teach our kids what healthy masculinity looks like and help to to teach us men to be better allies and to call out this objectifying and dehumanising behaviour when we see it, even if it is from our mates. What is the real life um, spin-off from this? You know, are you talking about women being harassed? How far does it go? Yeah, so um, my research centres around, uh, my master's research centred around incel-related violence, so involuntary celibates are... Uh, these the subculture of young men who um, are extremely isolated, alienated, lonely, and basically they've created this worldview together in a kind of echo chamber that uh, has led to real world violence. There's been, I think, maybe between 2014 and, and today, there's been almost 100 deaths uh, caused by incel-related violence in, in North America and alone. So at that end, there's the extreme 
mass shooting mm. uh, side of it. But on the on the more sort of normalized and realistic end, there's the the kind of catcalling. There's there's sexual assaults at schools. There's there's teachers that are being assaulted and and de- degraded by these young kids as a result of the attitudes that are being passed on by Andrew Tate and others. Do their parents just not know that this is going on? It's hard to say, and it's hard, and I don't want to pass judgment on parents mm. or anything, um, or have these kind of knee-jerk reactions uh, of stigmatising people who have fallen down these kind of rabbit holes. But I think you know you you need to be around what your kids are are, are consuming, um, which is incredibly difficult, right? When you've got mm. TikTok and and Instagram, who are you know you, you're watching a ten second, twenty second video, um, you can't monitor every single thing your kid is doing on their cell phone. So I think we need to kind of work out ways that we can help teach our kids and support young men in ways that will lead them away from these kind of toxic subcultures and and help them to feel more connected with with wider society. Well, I think we all need a whole heap more support, upskilling and training in this area, you know, um, because it's been such a long-standing taboo topic. Uh, most of us don't feel expert or confident in knowing how to um, address or intervene in these topics and how to turn and shift that behaviour in young people as well. So we need to be doing direct work with young people, but there's also a role for agencies like Respected Aotearoa to play in terms of providing that support and upskilling to teachers. Boys now, are they falling behind? Is there a feeling that they are missing out, that education has pivoted to advance girls over boys that they you know that they're a bit lost I mean I think that this is some of the rhetoric that the manosphere is pushing you know the idea that there is this um, this victimhood in young men that they're waiting to hook into sort of amplifying that insecurity or that idea that they're missing out or they're being hard done by I saw some research recently that showed that um, that girls and, and young women were feeling you know as lonely and disconnected as young men um, and suffering from also from high levels of depression and anxiety. And so I think what the Manosphere is doing is it's divisive, do you know, and it's hooking into young men by letting them think that women's empowerment or their success or their increased um, social and economic power has come at the cost of those young men. As for the heroes of the Manosphere? You know, we've seen Andrew Tate being deplatformed and I think... While that works in the short term, um, we're just going to keep seeing new savvier influences that will take his place, uh, and they will continue to respond to these kind of same fears and anxieties and these these grievances, legitimate or not, that young men have. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. If you're worried about some of the issues raised in this podcast, maybe you're a mother of boys like me, there are some contact numbers and helpful websites will be popping on the podcast page on both the RNZ and Newsroom websites. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Phil Benj engineered today's episode, now produces us Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Angus Lindsay and Kyla Rayner. Ka kite anō.